we're going to read, uh, actually, I'll just take this up here, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And so I'm going to read from the Common English Bible, and you can follow along in your own Bible or on the screen, but it reads, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in the territory of Judea, during the rule of King Herod, Magi came from the east to Jerusalem. They asked, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We've seen his star in the east, and we've come to honor him. When King Herod heard this, he was troubled, and everyone in Jerusalem was troubled with him. He gathered all the chief priests and the legal experts and asked them where the Christ was to be born. They said, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what the prophet wrote. You, Bethlehem, land of Judah, by no means are you least among the rulers of Judah, because from you will come one who governs, who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the Magi and found out from them the first time the star had first appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search carefully for the child. When you found him, report to me so that I too may go and honor him. When they heard the king, they went, and look, the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with Mary, his mother. Falling to their knees, they honored him. Then they opened their treasure chests and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Because they were warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they went back to their own country by another route. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Epiphany is a day that we celebrate, particularly because, is anybody here native of Israel? Okay, then you're all Gentiles, and this is the day we celebrate Jesus' manifestation to us. That's a big, that's a big day. This is the season of light. It's the 12th day of Christmas, and we are going to start a new series. Over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about pursuit and what pursuit means. Pursuing is not sitting back and just waiting. Pursuing is setting your sights and going and letting nothing hold you back. Pursuit is going to be in the series about a deeper commitment to God and God's will for your life. Not sitting back, but pursuit. Pursuit of Jesus as your king. No one else as your king or ruler, but Jesus. And then the Holy Spirit's empowerment in you and the leading that the Holy Spirit has been placing upon your heart since you were born. So we're going to begin with a word called revelation. Have you heard this word before? How many of you are a little nervous that we're going to get into a particular book in the Bible in the back that's kind of scary? We're not doing that. We're just using the word, the same word that's titled at the beginning of that book is simply the word revelation. It means the unveiling of something hidden. It means revealing, pulling back the curtain. You ever seen Wizard of Oz? They pull back the curtain and see that the guy was standing back there the whole time. They just didn't know it. And so a revelation is seeing what you didn't see before. At a, a 16-year-old, I had a near-death experience. And I'll tell you that this near-death experience came by my own choice and action, my own will. Luckily, by a miracle, I was not successful. And it was at that point in my life when I had gone to church my whole life. I mean, I lived at church. My mom and dad were on committees. They ran the youth group. So pretty much Sunday through Saturday night, I was at church one time or another. I felt like I owned the place. You ever, you ever be one of those people that lives at church? Just me? Okay. 
Well, at 16, I had some other things going on outside of church, and my faith never really developed into something real. It was simply a ritual and a practice and things I showed up and did when I was supposed to do it. And most 16-year-olds are pretty good at doing what they're supposed to do and saying what they're supposed to say. Amen? Some adults are like that too. Amen? But at 16, I found myself in a position where I wanted to make a really terrible choice, a dumb choice. And luckily, something, God, intervened through my dad. Now, in the following moments, as it started to dawn on me what almost just happened, I made a deal with God, or it was more of a conversation. I think I felt like I was grabbing God by the lapel, which I'm sure God thought that was pretty funny. But I said, look, if I'm, if I'm going to be here, then I need this, what you and I have, to become more than what it is. Because I'm not finding purpose and fulfillment in other things. And maybe that was immaturity, maybe it was what it was, but that was where I was at. It was real to me. So I started taking my faith more seriously. I did something so profound. You ready? I started listening at church. I listened. I listened to the sermon instead of playing the little sports trivia stuff with my cousins, which we were really good at, by the way. I started listening when we went to youth group and considering the things I was hearing and started reading the scripture and wondering, is it true? And what does it mean for my life? And a year later, I was at a church camp, a high school church camp at Camp Manito, which is sacred ground to me. And Reverend Mike Roberts, if you know him, he's the pastor at Palmyra United Methodist Church, came to me and said, I want you to listen for a call to ministry. And I think I laughed out loud and in my head said, yeah, right. What? You're a minister, right? You're like, you're the holier than holy guy. That's not me. You don't even know what I've been through in the last year. So fast forward 10 years. I continued to work at the United Methodist Church camps at Camp Manito particularly. I spent 65 plus weeks. I lost count at my 65 and I started thinking through the years that I spent. So well over a year of my life was spent 700 acres in Brown County. Doesn't that sound fun? See the camps I like to do were with no electricity. You cooked all your food over a fire and they ran from June through the beginning of August. Does that sound like fun? Yeah, it was fun. It was a lot of fun, but some people are, don't like sweating and being disgusting. I did. I was 17, 18, 19. Come on. Now, 10 years later, I was running the camp at Manito, and I arrived at the camp having been through some fairly difficult and tumultuous times the year before. Another series of really dumb decisions that led to really impactful consequences. And I wanted to rebuild and I felt called to apply to this job at Manito that I had no qualifications for, but I was the only one that applied. So guess who got hired? And I spent the year basically having another conversation with God saying, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? I've been waiting and you haven't said anything, so I'm tired of waiting. So I'm going to pick one of the million directions I can go and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. And if that doesn't work, well, then I have 999,999 more options, but I've at least narrowed it down, is what I was thinking. Do you see where I missed something in here? Ten years prior, someone said, listen for a call. And I wasn't ready to hear it, so I didn't. And then I complained to God that God wasn't talking. Yeah, God's interesting how God will give you all the space you need to figure it out. And I tried to figure it out. I had a job as a server in a number of places. I did retail, I was in management. I was a model, that's right. But only one shoot, they didn't call me back, I don't know. 
I was a bouncer, I was a telemarketer, I worked at a bookstore, I did lots of crazy jobs trying to find something else. I had the answer 11 years prior. So one thing I've learned in my journey is you have to pursue. Sometimes God's just waiting for you to say enough. I'm going to pursue. And maybe that is when you start to see something. We can't wait. What are you waiting for? doesn't matter what age you are, where you've been, what you've been through. God is just waiting for you to pursue. And so we're going to talk about Revelation. Let's talk about the Magi. The word in Greek is the word for magician. Magi, magician. Sorcerer, astrologer, or astronomer. Now, these wise men, as we call them, they are meant to be seen as kings from Arabia. And the reason they are meant to be seen as kings is because of the gifts that they brought and what Matthew is showing us is that the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled. So I'm going to read the prophecy to you, and then we'll talk about it. So it's from Isaiah 60, verses 1 through 6. Remember, Epiphany, the season of light. It says, Arise, shine, your light has come. The Lord's glory has shone upon you. Though darkness covers the earth and gloom the nations, the Lord will shine upon you. God's glory will appear over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to your dawning radiance. Lift up your eyes and look all around. They are all gathered. They've come to you. Your sons will come from far away and your daughters on caregivers' hips. Then you will see and be radiant. Your heart will tremble and open wide because the sea's abundance will be turned over to you. The nation's wealth will come to you. Countless camels will cover your land, young camels from Midian and Ephah, they will all come from Sheba, carrying gold and frankincense, proclaiming the Lord's praises. These wise men, magicians, sorcerers, kings, were fulfilling the prophecy. The prophecy that was meant for the city of Jerusalem didn't come to Jerusalem. It came to a baby in a manger. We know this story, but there were some people that didn't know the story, okay? Because the Magi showed up. They're their own land, their own religion, their own ideas. They probably looked different, smelled different, ate different, talked different. And they were using their understanding and their observation, which was separate from all this truth in the scripture that the Jewish people had. Eventually, they encounter it, but not yet. All they see is a star rise. They noticed, and they pursued it across great spans of land amidst the dangers and risks. They knew something significant was happening and they were not going to be stopped from seeing what it was. Now, they eventually encounter the Jewish scripture when they come to Jerusalem. They travel by the meaning of astrological signs, something that most of us say, don't do that, right? But they did. They see a sign and they interpreted what it was. They didn't try to fit it into their own lens. But when they arrive in Jerusalem and they say, hey, where's the king of the Jews? Jerusalem is not ready for this. There was a king of the Jews in Jerusalem. What was his name? Herod is the king of the Jews. So imagine the surprise when they show up. Where's the king of the Jews? And he's like, right here. And they're like, no, no, a baby, the new king, the king, the, the king. Imagine Herod wasn't particularly happy to hear this. Herod was not a particularly happy human being to begin with. Very angry and caused a lot of death and destruction Imagine the Magi showing up and announcing this good news. So this king, King Herod, he receives a revelation 
just like they did. They pursued it. He resists. He calls together the scribes, the Bible experts. He calls together the Sadducees, the religious elite. And he says, where is this king to be born? And they say, well, in Bethlehem. See, the kings didn't know that. They figured it'd be Jerusalem. That's the capital. But they know in their own scripture, they knew the king was going to be born in Bethlehem. They knew it. Did they not look up and notice the star? Did they not know? How did it take the magi coming to them to point out what would have been fairly obvious to anyone who simply looked up? They had all the answers. It's as if no one noticed the star or its meaning. So what is the response of Herod? What is the response of all? They're troubled. All of Jerusalem's troubled with them. Because if Herod's troubled, everyone needs to worry. We find the most powerful people in Jerusalem. They're rich. They're highly regarded. They know the scriptures. They are troubled because they weren't open to that vision of Isaiah being fulfilled on a child in a little town. They pictured it like they pictured it royal upon the the true city of David, Jerusalem. It was Gentiles, outsiders that noticed. The magicians eventually make it to the house where Jesus is living. They bow down and they honor him and they give him gifts. You see how they're responding in all the right ways, but they have none of the right information? Does that make sense? It's wild. It's a wild story. They give Jesus the title of the king. There's only two other times in Matthew where Jesus is given the title of king of the Jews. Both of them are mocking. One of them is by the soldiers of Pilate crowning him with thorns. The other is the Roman hanging the sign on the cross that says king of the Jews. Only once does Jesus receive that proclamation sincerely, and it's not by his own people. It's by these magicians, these kings from the Far East. How would you respond when God has something to reveal to you? Will you be open to whatever it may look like, wherever it may take you? Let me ask you this, as someone who has had to really swallow this, has God been giving you signs all along and you've just been missing it? Maybe it's just right there. We just looked up, looked around. Are there outsiders in our community that are pointing out things we are missing? Will we open our eyes? Will they open our ears? This is the question we have to wrestle with in this epiphany season. These kingly magicians, they followed a sign that was outside of what we might have been looking for. But they got the opportunity to kneel at the foot of the king. Herod had a different response. We don't tell this a lot in our Christmas stories, but Herod sent soldiers to kill every boy, every child under the age of two years old. That was Herod's response, the king of the Jews' response. So Herod sought this king, but not to worship him. Herod wants things in Jerusalem to just stay the same. It's a pretty good gig for for Herod, pretty good gig for the Sadducees and the legal experts, which is why they're going to resist when Jesus comes to announce more good news to them later. There's a bit of these folks in all of us, and we have to acknowledge that. We have a bit of the Magi, curious, seeing things in wonder. We have a bit of Herod, resisting, seeking to keep our power. And a bit of the Sadducees and legal experts just terrified of any change. The temptation is to resist Jesus' table-flipping and world-changing message. Amen? Maybe even silence it. The question becomes, 
If God gives you the revelation or sense God has, will you pursue? The good news is that God awakens us, awakens us to the reign of heaven right here and now all around us. That Jesus Christ lights and reveals the path for us to the way of the kingdom here and now. And the Holy Spirit empowers us to follow and live this kind of life of faith. Now, if you choose to pursue a life lived in Jesus, the light of the world, don't be surprised if there are people who seek to silence you, if there are people who resist you, because you are not what they expected. Epiphany. This is how the gospel story begins, with these strange magi pointing out something that should have been obvious. Our commitment to pursue God is where our gospel story begins, that we share, that we live, that we grow into, that we become a part of, that redeems us and saves us and leads us into the eternal life. So we can try everything other than God's will. God will allow you all the time and space to do that. I'm a a living testament to that. And you're thinking, yeah, what are you, 12? I spent a lot of time and effort. Nothing will bring you fulfillment like God's will for your life. Nothing will. So let us live in pursuit. Let us continue to lay down our expectations. And let me want to say that one again, because that's tough. Let us continue or begin to lay down our own expectations. And instead, try to see what God may have been trying to show us the whole time. What Jesus has come into our lives to reveal. Let us live a life that's open and one that is ready to pursue. Amen? Amen. Lord, I thank you that you bring us the good news in such a peculiar, amazing, divine, messy, human, unexpected wonderful story. You came to us in the strangest of ways, and I thank you for those who opened their eyes and chose to see it and pursue, those who have continued to share that tradition on that has led to us being here this day. Help us to continue that tradition, that we may see all that you have been eager to show us, that we may pursue with reckless abandon to live the life that you call us to live as we seek to serve you, to live by the way that you have ordained for us to live, that we can have Jesus as our king, that you can be our hope, and that we rely on the power of your Holy Spirit within us to guide us every step of the way as individuals and as a body of believers. Amen. Mm -hmm.